Well, anyway, welcome to the show. And I have a, uh, I read a really, really powerful piece on something that has been a passion of mine for the nearly the entire lockdown. And the City Journal, which is the most important journal, I love that and the Claremont Review of Books, but on the issues of the day, City Journal is unparalleled as a journal. There are fantastic websites. They have their a website as well, but in terms of journals, that's what I think uh, has uh, the greatest significance right now. And there is a piece in the latest edition, Hydroxychloroquine and Authoritarian Science. Imperial County, California, a poor, largely Hispanic agricultural region in the southeastern corner of California, has been hit hard by COVID-19. By the end of January, it's of course last month, according to the New York Times COVID-19 database, Imperial County had suffered 845 COVID deaths, or 4.7 per thousand inhabitants, a rate almost 80% higher than the U.S. average, so almost twice the rate as the U.S. average. The case fatality rate in Imperial County is 1.44%, the second highest in California. Two doctors in Imperial County, George Fareed and Brian Tyson, who run the All Valley Urgent Care Network of Medical Centers, claim to have done far better with their COVID-19 patients. In fact, they claim near perfect success. In a book that they published last January, they claim to have seen more than 7,000 patients and had only three deaths, all among patients who began treatment in later disease stages. A statistical analysis of part of their results by the statistician Matthew Crawford included in their book counts only seven hospitalizations and three deaths among 4,376 patients seen up through March 13, 2021. A reduction, well, all right, that was in the height of the uh, of Delta, or of the original, I should say. A reduction in hospitalization risk of well over 90% from the county average According to prevailing medical views, Fareed and Tyson's claimed claimed results should be impossible. Get that? According to prevailing medical views, Fareed and Tyson's claimed results should be impossible. The doctor's first protocol was based around hydroxychloroquine, HCQ, a repurposed anti-malarial drug. Repurposed means that a drug that has been used traditionally or historically, for X illness, is found effective against Y illness. It happens a lot. So that's what repurposed drug means. It's got a new purpose. With other drugs such as ivermectin as more recent additions. 
received opinion on the drugs is that ivermectin is at best unproven in treating COVID-19. The FDA maintains an official webpage warning against using ivermectin as a treatment for the virus. And that HCQ has been actively disproved. This is the traditional view. Early optimism using it as a treatment for the, for, excuse me, early optimism from laboratory experiments and small clinical studies did not hold up in larger, more rigorous trials. That's what they say. So I am going to read to you the answers to those who debunk. Hydroxychloroquine with zinc has to be with zinc. I'll give you a hint. The trials didn't use zinc. That is like testing a car without gasoline. Back in a moment. Folks, have you noticed home prices are skyrocketing right now? For current homeowners, that means your home has more equity. With today's high cost of living, your monthly debts are higher, and your ability to save money is tougher than ever before. That's why you should contact Andrew and Todd at Sierra Pacific Mortgage now to review your cash-out refinance options. If you have credit card debt, home improvement projects, or just need more savings, this may be your last chance to take advantage of today's low interest rates. Andrew and Todd can help you get cash out while rates are at historical lows. Go to andrewandtodd.com, fill out their simple form for a quick mortgage checkup, or call 888 1172. Andrew and Todd at Sierra Pacific Mortgage can help you get back to financial security. Go to andrewandtodd.com or call 888-888-1172. Hey everybody! Reading to you about the debunking of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and the, uh, the all the doctors who say they have saved thousands of lives using them have been dismissed. The, the interesting thing is, what are they dismissed as? Are they quacks? See, when I am asked why I use them, and I believe it is a major reason that I had such a mild case of uh, of COVID, and I had Delta, by the way, not Omicron, I had Delta. I believe it was because I used uh, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, zinc and vitamin D for a year, or over a year. So I put, I put my uh, body where my mouth is, as it were, and why did I do that? Why didn't I believe the FDA and I believe these individual doctors? Because these individual doctors used it. And, and they, they prevented thousands from hospitalization and I don't know what number from death. I would have to conclude these doctors are frauds. But what is in it for these doctors? They don't make ivermectin. They don't make money from ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. What's in it? On the other hand, what's in it for the FDA? Millions and upon millions of dollars from the vaccine makers, from the pharmaceutical companies who make nothing on ivermectin 
Follow the money is not always the answer, but it often is. But e- e- even if they are honorable, which I don't think the FDA heads are, but even if they were, why would I take their word over the words of doctors who've used it? The the idea that there are these doctors all over the country and uh, indeed all over the world who are lying about having cured their uh, their patients is a, is hard for me to believe. I just weigh the evidence. That's all. I don't have. I, I I say I don't have a vested interest. Yes, I do. I want to save lives. That is my only interest. I want fewer people to die of COVID. That was my interest from the beginning. I want fewer people in hospitals and fewer people to die. I am certain that there is a method to do that. Hydroxychloroquine, zinc, ivermectin. But what about the studies that debunked it? Okay, this is what I get from calls and uh, emails. And uh, I, you know, I, did you see, did I forward you the email from the man who said I was a sociopath because I, I promote hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin? I'm a sociopath. I would like to ask all, all of the, those whom I annoy by promoting this, what is in it for me? Fame, money, women, drugs, <laughs> a new house. What's, what's in it for me? What do I have to gain by promoting? All I get is hate. That's what I get. So what is in it for me? Sociopaths like that letter writer uh, are, hate me. I don't care that they hate me. It has no impact on me. It just, in fact, reinforces my beliefs that I'm right. But nevertheless, think about it. Why would I promote something if I have a zero interest in its success except altruism? I want fewer people to die. I believe that my recommendation would have saved hundreds of thousands of Americans' lives. And I was first told that by Harvey Risch, epidemiologist, professor of epidemiology at Yale. What is in it for him? Does he get love, money? But I'll tell you what's in it for a lot of people in medicine. Sheep-like acceptance. People do not want to stick out. The FDA says march, they march. The FDA says, stick your right arm out, they stick their right arm out. Stick your left arm out, stick their left arm out. That's not medicine. That's authoritarianism. Such opinions have influenced not just news coverage, but also the moderation policies of social media platforms, which have imposed ever stricter rules against misinformation meaning, in practice, contradicting American public health authorities. After Fareed and Tyson spoke by invitation at a meeting of the Imperial County Board of Supervisors, the Los Angeles Times read an article noting that the Imperial County Medical Society, quote, had urged supervisors not to contribute to the dissemination of false or misleading information by legitimizing unproven treatments. The medical authorities in this country, like the Imperial County Medical Society, have disgraced medicine. 
They have killed people. This is such a huge charge I'm making. Do you know how difficult it is for me to make? How many doctors are in my life, in my family? It's not easy, my friends. But you know what? I do believe the truth sets you free. I really do. The paper also quoted an executive at an Imperial County hospital saying, quote, we need to stick with what we know is approved by the FDA for COVID-19 treatments. Misinformation itself ought to be stopped. So what is the difference between differing with the FDA in 2022 and differing with the Catholic Church on, uh, when was Galileo, 16th century or 17th century? With Rosalind, there are no hassles, no gimmicks, hey, and our uh, shipping is fast and reliable. I'm hearing something wrong in my earphones. I'm hearing about Rosalind. What is the difference between differing with the FDA in 2022 and differing with the Catholic Church in the 16th century? I, I can't, I, I really don't know what the difference is. You differ with the FDA as doctors, you may not speak. When have doctors been muzzled in American history? Back in a moment. The Dennis Prager Show. I'm reading to you, hi everybody, I'm Dennis Prager, reading to you this article which is up at DennisPrager.com, is that correct? From City Journal, Hydroxychloroquine and Authoritarian Science. Doctors who have claimed to have saved thousands of lives, or at least thousands of hospitalizations, virtually no deaths using hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, and then they're shut down by the local or state medical boards, and they're shut out of media so that they can't help people and prevent them from dying. This is, the, this is what is happening in the United States. And then there's a caller who asks, if I really cared about people's health, I'd promote the vaccine. See, if I trusted the medical authorities, they lost my trust over ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, just, just so you'll know. I don't trust them. And there has not been a period to test the vaccines that anything else like it has ever had. And I think it is evil, I rarely use the word, to give children the vaccine. It is literally child abuse. It is experimentation on children. Children don't die from COVID. The numbers are infinitesimally small. Why give them the vaccine when there are adverse reactions? Also, in small numbers, I fully acknowledge. But we don't know what the long-term, and maybe there is no long-term. I don't predict bad things from the vaccines. But why would I trust people who have killed so many Americans by denying them therapeutics? See, I if I'm wrong... Don't listen to me. I have lost your credibility. But if I'm right, don't listen to the FDA 
and to AP and to Politico and to the Washington Post and the New York Times and the LA Times and CNN. In other words, don't listen to any of the elites. One of us is fooling you. Okay? You can't get more clear than that, and I love clarity. Is that correct? Either I'm wrong or they're wrong. But my batting average is virtually a thousand. I have taken difficult positions for 40 years. All I care about is truth. That's all. I don't care about if I'm liked. I don't care about the money. I care about truth. I'm very corny in that way. It's almost impossible to believe because people are so cynical about people. That's all I care about. What else is in this for me? Tell me. But what's in it for the FDA and the elites? Big dough, folks. Big pharma is a lot of money. Plus, they're sheep. Some of them don't get money. They're just sheep. Cowardice is the human norm. Courage is the human rarity. Okay? They made that clear. Continue with this article. Based on laboratory studies and small clinical trials, medical authorities in China and South Korea recommended chloroquine as a COVID-19 treatment in February 2020. Some doctors outside East Asia followed. Vladimir Zelenko, I had him on the show at the time. At the time. And of course, he's dismissed as a quack. He's an Orthodox Jew who uh, I, I, I know somewhat well who truly believes he answers to God for his behavior. A doctor in the Hasidic community in New York advocated a combination of HCQ, azithromycin, an antibiotic to guard against secondary infections, and a zinc supplement. In an open letter in April 2020, Zelenko claimed to have treated about 1,450 patients, including 405 that he judged high-risk, with only two deaths. Luigi Cavada, a doctor in Placentia, Italy, also claimed about the same time that thanks to an HCQ treatment protocol, none of his patients had died and only 5% were hospitalized, one-sixth the contemporaneous Italian hospitalization rate of over 30%. Many more systematic observational studies of HCQ comparing patients in a hospital or elsewhere who received a drug because of their own or a doctor's choice with those who did not, returned good results, both as a treatment of COVID-19 cases, including one large study from the Henry Ford Health System in metropolitan Detroit and for prevention of COVID-19 in individuals at high exposure risk. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. Okay, I'll take a couple of uh, take a couple of calls on on this matter, and then continue here. Okay, so I uh, Kirkland in L.A. I think I answered you on, on the uh, on whom I trust, but I, maybe I'll get to you later. I don't know. Santa Santa Clarita, California, and Glenda. Hello, Glenda. Hi, Dennis. Hi. Hi, Dennis. I, I feel like a regular. I went to El Centro. I saw Dr. Tyson. It's a four-hour drive to get out there. I was very sick. Between two and three days later, I was 100%. So, when, yes, when did this happen? 
This happened uh, Christmas of 2020. Wow, very early. Mm -hmm. So how did you know about him? Well, I listen to One American News all the time, and he was on there with Dan Ball. And when I got sick, I told my husband, we're taking a drive out there. I said, I think I've got COVID. And we went out there. I was tested positive. And I got the hydroxychloroquine, the Z-pack, and the zinc. And he said, if you have any chills, call me. I had a chill the next day, gave me ivermectin, and everything was fine. Is he still in practice, do you know? As far as I know, yes. I, I ordered a uh, another set a, a couple months ago. So as far as I know, yes, he still is. I'd like to have him on the show. Well, thank you for the story. It's very important. I'll read to you more. I'll go to more calls. Let's see. I'll go to more calls now. Uh, Pete in Alhambra, California. Hello. Uh, yes, Dennis. Parenthetically, uh, uh, where, where do you get your, your, your conclusion from uh, regarding ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine? Mm, I've been just reading to you from all these doctors who have used it. Yeah, well, all these doctors, uh, there are thousands and thousands of other doctors that would disagree. For every one... You know why they disagree? Because why? the FDA told them to disagree. They don't know a damn thing about this. So you're saying the doctors are purposely, with some purpose and intent, trying to hurt people? No, not at all. What are you saying? I'm saying that they sheep-like follow the FDA. If the FDA tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow or in 10 hours said, oh, it's okay to use ivermectin, it helps, apparently, in many cases, then all these thousands of doctors that you admire would say okay on ivermectin. All they do is say what the FDA tells them to say. That's just not true. What? Oh, it's not, not true? Yeah. So you, I, wait, wait, I, I if, the FDA, if the FDA, if the how do I know that? Because you asked me a question. Why are thousands of doctors saying no to something that other doctors have saved lives with? Answer, FDA told them to. But Why do you think the answer of, is? Do you think they tried ivermectin with patients and know it doesn't work? Why do you think they're saying no? I think they're saying uh, no because of the, the uh, research. M- mention one, mention one uh, research, double-blind uh, double There's no double-blind research that vindicates it. If that's the only that's way... Right. Okay, that's so, exactly right. So that's, okay, that's exactly right to you. So people are dying until we do double-blind research. That's my view. It, it is? Yeah. You're, you're, and it's the view of Dr. Harvey Risch, professor of epidemiology in Yale. Doctors that you admire have killed thousands. Oh, so now, now Yale's a good place. I no, Yale's a cesspool. Yale, uh, uh, I'm, uh, uh, no, no, no. I'm quoting that because you're impressed. Yale is a cesspool. But why are you making the quote then? Because it impresses you. How do you know that? Because you told me about doctors and experiments, so I'm giving you a Yale epidemiologist. Therefore, you should say, wow. Yeah, wow. Why is the FDA, Dennis, trying to hurt people? That's a great question. I think it's money. I think the I think the power of big pharma over the FDA is awesome. The amount so you're of, saying that the FDA is controlled. You're I say the, the FDA, FDA is corrupt. Yeah, and is being controlled by the pharmaceutical. Yes, company? That, that's. That, I never believed that until the last two years. I always defended the pharmaceutical companies. My track record is pro FDA, is pro pharma, pharma. And now I, they have lost me and half of America. Half of America, like you, still thinks that they are admirable. 
and that's fine. I promise you that we will find out the truth in our lifetime. Okay? And you will not call and say, I'm sorry, Dennis, which is fine. But I just want to note. But if you want to know why thousands of doctors disagree with these doctors who have used it, it has nothing to do with their knowledge of the drugs. It has to do with their obedience to the FDA. People don't like to stick out. As the Japanese say, the nail that sticks out is hammered in, which is true. Look at what happened to these doctors in Imperial County, California. It's really funny when I'm at, why would you even mention an epidemiologist at Yale if you think so low of Yale? Because the person calling in thinks well of Yale. But there's an obvious answer to the question. I do enjoy this work, I will tell you. Okay, let's uh, continue here about the, so the, the doctors who have used this. Most analyses of randomized trial of ACQ, on the basis of which mainstream medical opinion decided it doesn't work for COVID-19, draw negative conclusions. For instance, a February 2021 review by Cochrane an organization that produces comprehensive reviews of randomized trials concludes HCQ for people infected with COVID-19 has little or no effect on the risk of death and probably no effect on progression to mechanical ventilation. That's ventilators. Another meta-analysis by Nature by Catherine Axfors and others estimates an 11% increase in risk of death on the basis of 26 randomized trials. Then, okay, so here the guy reports truthfully. There are these, there are these tests that have also influenced the FDA, not just money from big pharma. That's true. But when, since when has the FDA told doctors, you can't prescribe what you think will work for your patient? This should trouble even those of you who don't believe in HCQ. What uh, what is our time here? Oh, it's the last uh, segment. I want you all to read the the piece, but I I'm going to. I'm going to answer the trials that did not find ivermectin and or hydroxychloroquine with zinc effective. First of all, uh, a vast number of the hydroxychloroquine tests, I'm, 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 giving, I'm jumping to the end so that you know this. Hydroxychloroquine was often used without zinc, which as I said earlier, is like uh, testing a car that has no gas in it. The purpose of hydroxychloroquine is to enable the zinc to get to the virus. As I understand it in my non-medical way, but I do understand in a non-medical way that if you don't test something properly, the test is useless if you don't use zinc. Number two, equally important, virtually all of the tests in virtually all the tests, the people were given hydroxychloroquine, zinc, and or ivermectin too late. It has to be in the early stages of the virus. Because you produce the virus for about maximum of about a week. 
sometimes nine days. So it has to hit it when it's being produced. The people who die of COVID are dying of what COVID induced in them. Pneumonia or breakage of the usage of the, of the lungs or whatever it might be. Clotting. So you have to hit it when the virus is being produced in the first uh, week. And they didn't. They gave it in the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the middle or final stages. How can you conduct all these tests when you don't test what, what, it, what the claims are made for it? Been, a, uh, been the most revelatory two years of my life, these past two years. Not just about medicine, about religion, about organized religion, I should say. About the media, about power in this country. The tech issue is huge as well. There's a lot more coming up. You're listening to The Dennis Prager Show. The most famous words of Franklin Roosevelt, America's longest-serving president, were, The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. One wonders if any world leader would or even could say that today. We live in the age of fear. All of my life, I thought love and hate were the two most powerful emotions. But owing to recent events, I've changed my mind. I now understand that for most people, fear is the strongest emotion. In fact, I've come to realize that it is possible to get people to do anything if you instill enough fear in them, specifically irrational fear. Fear of COVID, for example, is rational, but media and governments induced irrational fears. That's why millions of healthy people stayed indoors for a year or more, why a vast number of people have worn masks while walking or sitting alone outdoors, and why so many parents did not allow their young children to play with other children for a year or more, despite the fact that the COVID mortality rate among children is considerably less than the flu's mortality rate among children. All of this was caused by irrational fear. Turns out that fear is not only more powerful than love and hate, in most people, it is more powerful than reason. And when it is, it is far more destructive to the individual and to society than rational fear. What is rational fear? When a soldier fears going into battle, that's rational. Soldiers cannot allow fear to control their behavior, but their fear is not irrational. If a mugger points a gun at you, it is rational to feel fear. If you're diagnosed with cancer, it is rational to experience fear. Rational fear is not necessarily a bad thing. It is irrational fear that does the most harm to yourself, to others, and to all of society. The Salem witch trials of the 17th century were an example of irrational fear leading to evil, the killing of women who were believed to be witches. You would think that the Enlightenment of the 18th century, with its focus on reason and science, would have led to a great lessening of irrational fear. 
it hasn't. To take one contemporary example, many people have decided not to have children because they fear that a warming planet represents an existential threat to life. Now, it is rational to be concerned about climate change. It is irrational not to have children because of it. But it gets even more irrational. Their parents often support this decision despite their deep yearning to be grandparents. Irrational fear is also a major source of hatred. People hate what they fear. It was Germans' irrational fear of Jews, people who made up under 1% of the German population, that led to the unique evil known as the Holocaust. Given the awful power of fear, what can you do to be less fearful? The first thing you must do is determine whether your fears are rational or irrational. And that can only be accomplished by thoroughly studying the issue, whatever it happens to be, global warming, a pandemic, racism, or any other controversial subject. For example, blacks are told to fear white police because white police are racist and want to do them harm. This is largely an irrational fear. It is well documented that in any given recent year, the number of unarmed blacks killed by police is approximately 20, nearly all of whom seriously threatened the lives of the policemen who killed them. Another example, credible scientists who acknowledge that global warming is taking place but contend that it is not an existential threat to life are dismissed as anti-science and their views largely suppressed. Read them, and many of your fears will be allayed. You might even decide to have children. Most fears are stoked by governments and their allies in the mass media and in big tech, who in turn suppress contrary opinions. Therefore, please understand that when you hear only one side of a story, and that opinion is designed to make you afraid, there is a good chance that your fears are unwarranted. Determining whether your fears are rational or irrational is one of the most important things you will ever do. The quality of your life and the life of your society depend on your making that distinction. I'm Dennis Prager. Thank you for watching this video. To keep PragerU videos free, please consider making a tax-deductible donation. There was the Great Depression, the Great Recession, and now the Great Consolidation, a historic transfer of wealth and power from the middle class to the already wealthy and well-connected. Big government and big business are dismantling and reshaping the American economy. It works for them. They are bigger, stronger, and richer than ever. But it doesn't work for most Americans. This is especially true for the engine of economic growth, the small business owner. More than 30 million small businesses account for about half the GDP and jobs in America. The other half of the economy is concentrated in around 20,000 big companies. Based on that almost equal split of economic value, you might expect that small businesses have the same clout as big businesses. Not even close. Big corporations are masters of the political game. They have the money to pay the lobbyists, lawyers, and politicians to get what they need. And in turn, the government gets what it needs from big business, cooperation, compliance, and campaign contributions. 
small businesses are on the sidelines of this game. Your local butcher, baker, and candlestick maker simply don't have the cash to make big campaign contributions or hire lobbying teams. Still, for all these disadvantages, the entrepreneurial spirit that has long defined America has never waned. Then came COVID, or rather, the government reaction to COVID. Two weeks to slow the spread became month after month of lockdowns and ever-shifting restrictions that destroyed hundreds of thousands of small businesses and left millions more hanging on by a thread. Big firms were deemed essential and allowed to stay open, while small businesses were subjected to punishing lockdown orders and forced to close in part or in full. The hypocrisy presented by this government edict, big box open, mom and pop not, was obvious for all to see. These decisions were not based on science, but on political influence. You could take Fido to PetSmart to have his hair groomed and his nails trimmed, but not take yourself to your favorite salon for a pedicure. How does that make sense? Or how about this example? In Los Angeles, the Pineapple Hill Saloon and Grill was forced to close its outdoor dining area, while a movie production hosted a catering tent serving food to its cast and crew in the same parking lot that the restaurant had been forced to abandon. The results of this arrangement weren't hard to predict. Spending that couldn't be done at small businesses was shifted to the ones that were open, big businesses. In this environment, small businesses were too small to succeed, not because of anything they did, but because the government wouldn't allow them to serve their customers. All their work, money, and hopes and dreams were crushed by government mandate. It was the worst of times for the little guy and the best of times for the big guys, big business and big government. As big government flexed its power with lockdowns and spending and the Federal Reserve pumped money into the markets, Big businesses and their investors did great. Seven technology companies alone gained more than $3 trillion in value, and the wealthiest became even wealthier. Now, big business isn't bad in its own right. After all, every big business started as a small one. Big businesses create products and services that add value to our lives. Nobody should begrudge them making millions or even billions in profit. That is, if it's done on merit. It is a big problem, though, when it is done through the government limiting or even shutting down the competition. Small business. That's not free market capitalism. That's cronyism. And there's no evidence that this trend, big government and big business getting bigger, is going to end anytime soon. Who's going to stop it? Not big business. It always benefits from less competition. Not big government. Small business owners are too hard to control. It's much easier to manage a handful of big corporations feeding at the government trough than millions of entrepreneurs who just want to pursue economic freedom. If we are not careful, the great consolidation will end with big business and big government fully in control. That means less choice in products and services, less choice in jobs, less innovation, and more barriers to wealth creation. Big does not equal better. At some point, it usually means worse. 
but we're not powerless. We have the dollars and we have the votes. It's time we use them before we lose them. I'm Carol Roth, author of The War on Small Business for Prager University. Thank you for watching this video. To keep PragerU videos free, please consider making a tax-deductible donation.